What's up, guys? Welcome to Real Make Talk. Today we're going to be talking about the state of leadership in our nation uh, and the lack of um, the lack of leadership in our homes, um, in our communities, and in and outside of the church. Um, and we've got Kyla Sal with us. It's exciting. Let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. All right, guys, welcome back to Real Men Talk. Here again today with Kyler Sal. What's up, Kyler? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm so excited that you're here with me again today. Um, today we're going to be talking about the state of leadership uh, in this country and really, I guess, more of the lack of um, leadership and what leadership looks like. And we're going to uncover it. Um, you know, and the, the truth is, is that we have even even the leadership we have, the godly leadership that we have has been silent Um I had lunch with a buddy today that, you know, we were talking about all this. And you can see over the course of, of the last hundred years or so of how um, things have happened in America and the church has been silent. And um, and it's been it's that lack of leadership, that lack of boldness that has has allowed us to end up where we are today. Um, I was telling Kyler earlier, I guess we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Um, I ordered a book today called uh, the, A Letter to the American Church. And um, I forget what the guy's name is, but uh, he's talking about the the silence of the church. And he compares it to Nazi Germany, Germany and how um, the similarities between the church that was in Germany at the time that was silent and allowed the Nazis to do what they did. Um, and the church in America today, and it's devastating. It's devastating that we have people who, who are, are, um, cowards who are afraid, who are maybe not biblically sound to stand up. Maybe they're not, um, whatever whatever the reason is it's it's it really is devastating to the church and to our nation and you, you know we've talked about many times before you know the silence of the church it is the lack of leadership that has allowed us to be where we are today right and we've been allowed so one of my favorite things um for my boss to work with she says that people will always do what you've allowed them to do and for years now, I mean, ever since, I mean, we used to have gumption in the United States, but we don't have it anymore, especially in the church. We don't have it. We we want to fit into whatever mold there is. That way we're not on the news. We're not on the TV. We're not being blasted on Facebook about different things. And so, yeah, we are silenced because we are allowing ourselves to be silenced. We have no gumption, no uh, goal to back us up or to even want to defend what is actually happening in the United States, happening to our leadership. We just want to be silent and pray that God works to all of it out. However, faith without works is dead. So we eventually exactly have to right. start doing something to help it out. Otherwise, we're just going to go down the same road. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, you hear people want to talk about, you know, well, we just want to preach the gospel. 
We just want to preach the gospel. We just want to preach the gospel. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to take away from the gospel. It's it's vitally important. It is it it is the 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 soul of who we are as Christians. But Jesus was involved in politics, in people's lives, in his community. And Jesus is our example. Jesus Jesus tackled uh, politics head on. You know who was his his political leaders at that time? The Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, and he called them out. He was harder on them than he was anybody else. He wore them out. Vipers and snakes and and uh, you, you know hypocrites and you know right in front of everybody. And he stood up. For the people, he stood up for what was right, um, and not and not cower down. He wasn't silent and just allowed. You know, well, you know, church doesn't really belong in politics, and church doesn't really belong in you know in, in other people's lives. If they don't want it, it's okay. Well, and, and we, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that that we should just go force ourselves on everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying it, that we should stand up. And have a voice. Right. And we allowed it. We even, I mean, at the very beginning, we said there's going to be a separation of church and state. Okay. Because they were so afraid that the church was going to rule the state that we started that separation. And that divide has just slowly gotten more and more and more and more where it is so divided that we, as the church, were silenced by the state. Now we can't even say anything. We can't do anything because we allowed that to happen from the very beginning. And I mean, I'm not saying that the church has to rule everything, but I mean, if they're not the foundation, there's not going to be a good foundation. Right. But we should legislate morality. Exactly. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can't legislate truth. Truth is is truth. It's for it's true for all people. Frank Turek says it's true for all people at all times, at all places. You can't legislate truth, but you can legislate morality. And and who dictates? Who dictates morality? Are we going to allow the leftists to dictate what is moral and what is not? Are we going or are we going to allow the church to dictate what is moral and what is not? And that's what's happening right now is the left is telling everybody that it's okay. It's okay to uh, you. If you're a boy, you could be a girl if you want. Um, I seen a oh, my gosh. I seen a. Who was it? I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember who it was. I listened to so many of them. Um, that there is a 10-year-old trans girl. I don't know. She, he was a boy. Now he's a girl model. And they have adults coming to ask him for advice because they think that he is so bold. And this is this is a The kid's 10 years old. He hasn't even got the beard yet. No, and like he's been taking hormone medicine for the last four years. Somebody's got to talk to that doctor in the first place because he hasn't even got his hormones yet. No, and this is not okay. This is not okay. And the truth is if the church remains silent, if we remain silent, if we stop being leaders, if we do not stand up and take a voice, then we, we won't be able to say anything. It'll get to the point. Well, we won't be able to say anything at all. Right. You watch and, and as, see. 
And as leaders, we can't even hide behind the Bible. That's sometimes I feel like that's what we do. Oh, well, the Lord says to pray about it. You know, where two or three are gathered in the, gathered in the, gathered in his name, then he's in the midst of us. So we assemble as a congregation and we pray over it and everything else. Yeah, that's great. That is a great right. foundation to start with. But you have to open your mouth vocally and yes. you have to stand up to your friends, stand up to your, in your families. I mean, there are things in my family, even today, that I don't agree with, and I call them right out on it. It doesn't make me any less loving of them. I love them to death. I would defend them to anything. But if you're not doing what the Bible says, I'm going to call you out. And we don't want to do that. We want to hide behind the Bible, you know, just pray for them, and it'll all work out in the end. Okay, that's great. However, you also have to take a stand about what is correct. That's right. Last year, I was subbing subbing in the, the junior high school seventh and eighth grade and uh and, and i can't remember how the discussion come about to be um but they it, it got on somebody was talking about homosexuality and so they just come out and they asked me they said do you do you think homosexuality is okay and i said no and they're like oh i, I mean you should have seen the reaction like i i you probably killed I just, half of them <laughs> Just probably, rock their worlds, you know. I'm surprised you didn't get some parent phone calls. I, I'm surprised I didn't either. And um, you know, but and I hear from people, you can't, you can't, uh, uh, you know, you can't talk about that kind of stuff. You have to be careful what you say. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If they ask me not to come back, then I won't come back. But I will stand for what is true. And the thing about it is, you, you know, people like you were saying, they they hide behind. Uh, the Bible, you, you know, they hide behind the Bible. It, you know, well, we should, we, yes, but we have to stand for truth. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is most people don't even know what truth is. And us as leaders, as men, leaders of our homes, of our communities, and of our churches, if we don't know what truth is, how can we expect anybody else to know what truth is? Exactly. And on that point, when did leadership become one-sided? When did leadership only belong to the leftists? How come they're the only ones that can speak out loud and have a voice and lead us in the right direction? Yes, thank like, you. Why? Why is that? As long as they're leading and they're saying it, it's okay. But as soon as the other side takes a stance or tries to say something against that, then we're told that we are in the wrong, that we are the wrong people. We used to be told that everybody has an opinion, that it should be valued, but really only one side of the opinion needs to be valued because that's what the leftist leadership is saying. And that's that's what the media is streaming. And that's if we go anything against the leftist, then we're wrong and we're seen as bad people. That's right. We're bigots or, you know, we're we hate. You, you know, homosexuality, uh, we hate people, we hate, you, you know, what, whatever it is. They, they have all these these guidelines, these taglines um, on us for, you know, we hate something. Right. Somewhere. We're just, we just hate everybody. We're just haters. Um, yeah. Hashtag yeah. haters. <laughs> so, so here we are. I, I want to talk a little bit about what it is to be leaders in our homes in our churches, in our communities, you know, because as men, we have to understand our role. We wear a lot of hats. We do a lot of things. We we have a lot of weight on our shoulders, and it can be overwhelming. And we need to know, we need to understand what our roles are in in our leadership and how vitally important they are 
to the people around us, you know, and when it comes to leading our families, you, you know, everybody's like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, that that's pretty simple. But do do we do we lead our families to to live for Jesus? Do we teach our families to learn about Jesus or draw closer to Jesus or why Jesus is both important and alive? It's key there, alive. Um, do we do we teach them why they can know him and they can trust him? As Christians, our sole priority is Jesus Christ. Everything, everything we do should be, you know, you know, we talked about a biblical worldview. Well, a biblical worldview points to Jesus mm-hmm. and will always point to Jesus. And if we're not teaching our families to to live for Jesus and to know and why why they can both trust him and and why it is important to to know him then we can't be upset when they don't know him when they don't trust him we we can't we can't be upset about it exactly and one of the questions i wrote down um, in your notes after reading all those is, I mean, it's all summed up in what is it to believe in Jesus? I mean, yes. what is that? And so I, I love the chosen one of my favorite chosen episodes. If you never watched the chosen, go watch it. Um, Amen. but it says in John four twenty nine, it was the episode where he met the woman at the well and she went back to the people and she said, come and see it's verse 29, John four twenty nine. She says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And nowadays, if we anybody knows what we did or um, what we've done in our past or anything else, we we think we should be shot or hung or something. But Jesus knew exactly what this woman did, and that is that's what happens when you believe in Jesus. You find a friend who knows everything that you've done, but he still loves you anyways. And then I wrote down is genuine freedom. It's it's not he's not going to come back and throw it in your face later. But that's exactly what it is. To believe in Jesus is to have genuine freedom. You're not chained to anything. You're not bonded to anything. He knows everything that you've ever done, good, the bad, the ugly, and he doesn't care. Could care less. But we don't teach that to our families. As leaders, we just move on. We don't teach that genuineness that is actually God. That's right. You know, And a lot of times, as when it comes to our homes, we just expect the church to do it. You know, we we think that they're one hour a a, a day or you know a week, um, you, you know, or sometimes you know if if you're really dedicated, they get in there three hours a week. Um, you know that that's supposed to that that's supposed to to be it. Like they should learn everything that they need to learn in those three hours a week, while they're at school for forty hours a week, being taught nonsense, being around nonsense. And no wonder their biblical or their worldviews are skewed. Well, yeah. And they, my favorite thing is, well, I don't get paid to do that. The church gets paid to do that. The pastor gets paid to do that. I shouldn't have to be pastoring my family. I shouldn't have to, cause that's not my job. Like when I, when you volunteer at church and you know, the leadership kind of needs your help and you hear people say, well, that's not my job. Right. Yeah, it is. As a servant yes. of God, that is your job. Your job as a leader is Yes. They need to go to church. Yes, the church is going to provide that foundation, but you provide A, B, and then everything in between. Right. That is your job. Yep. And here, here's the thing. The church should 
confirm the things that, that, that they've learned at home. Mm-hmm. The things that, that the leader of the home, the men have taught them, they should be able to go to church. If you, if you go to a biblical, a Bible-preaching church, they should be able to go to church and be edified by the things that are there because they've already taught them. Exactly. It, it reinforces what they've learned at home. But if, if you're not teaching them at home, if you're not teaching them at home, what, what are you teaching them? Because you're teaching them something. You, you're, you're not being – there is no s- such thing as neutrality. There, there, there is no – you either have a positive or negative effect on them. So if you're not teaching them about the Bible, what are you teaching them? Well, you're teaching them to live two different lifestyles. You're teaching that exactly. it's okay to live this way on Sunday, and then the rest of the week you can live this way. That's exactly yes. what you're teaching them because, you know what, I mean, Daddy has friends that like to go do this stuff. But, you know, on Sunday, shh, don't talk about it. Don't tell nobody that we're doing this, okay? And that's exactly what you're teaching them. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, we've we've talked a little bit about about the homes. Um, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about leadership in the churches and in our community. We'll be right back in just a minute. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by the Jewelers Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed citizen watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 Northwestwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, guys, welcome back. So before the break, we talked we talked a little bit about leadership and leadership in our homes. Um, now I would like to talk about leadership in the church. Um, what, what a, a famous passage of scripture 
is uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Everybody knows it as Great Commission. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of age. So I know that's kind of a, maybe an odd verse to use right there for leadership in the churches. Uh, everybody likes to use that verse for evangelism. But if you notice, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Typically, disciples are made inside the church. When, when somebody comes to know Christ, what they need is they need discipleship. Discipleship happens after they find Christ. And it happens inside the church. You, you know, we've talked several times about um, a, a Peter and a Paul. Um, you know, every single person, every single man should have a Peter in their life, or I'm sorry, a Paul in their life and a Timothy in their life. They should have somebody who is feeding into them, Mm-hmm. And they should have somebody that they are feeding into always. And that is that is discipleship. You should constantly have somebody. The Lord will always place somebody in your life that you are to feed into. And oftentimes, those people are inside your church because, you know, disciples can only be made of Christians. Okay? And... So once they have found Christ, then discipleship needs to happen. And a lot of the problems with the leadership inside the church, everybody wants the pastor to do it. You know, like at at our church at the Palace of Praise, we have got a phenomenal pastoral staff. Yeah, Our our pastor, our associate pastor, our youth pastors, you know, Josh Reasons, the, the, the discipleship pastor phenomenal but they can't disciple everybody on their own it's it's not their job it is the the job of the people inside the church to disciple the people around them that's the way it was designed that that statement go therefore and make disciples of all nations is not a you know for just the pastors or just the 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 teachers you know it's not it's not it's not just for them. It's for everybody. And we need to understand that when we're when we're at church, I tell people all the time this. If you go to church just to learn, you're doing it wrong. Okay? So if if your sole purpose is to go to church to because you need to learn something or you need some feel-good moments, you know, and don't get me wrong, I hope that you are learning stuff at church and I hope you do have the feel good moments. I do hope that you have encounters with the Holy Spirit, but that cannot be your sole purpose. The reason why the, you know, like in Hebrews, it, it talks about not, not uh, forsaking the, the gathering of our people. It's not because it's not because you need church. It's because people need each other and we are the church. We, well, we are the, the church. That was the foundation of making the disciples. All of Jesus' yes. disciples that he 
um, led, he made through building relationships. And he did that by getting to know them. I mean, yes, he's Jesus. He already knew the ins and outs of them. But he didn't let that stop him from showing them that he cared, from building the relationships, from talking to each and every single one of them, from going out and seeking them at their needs and where they were at. And that's what we can do. Our pastoral leadership, while they're awesome and they're great, there's no way that they can build a relationship with every single person in the church. That's not their job. Their job is to lead us and provide the foundation so that we can, because we're the disciples. We need to be making those. And one of the the part of the verse I love the most is it says, teaching them to observe. Yes. You make the greatest leaders when you observe great leaders. Yes. And, And that's exactly what it is. If everybody has become a great leader or anybody who has become a great leader can tell you that one person that they love or that they observed or that they've seen and they're like, I want to be that person. I'm teaching a leadership class right now, and I I made them make a magazine cover about exactly what they wanted to be known for. What was if they were going to be put in a magazine? What would it be for? And half of them couldn't. I mean, they couldn't come up with anything because I mean, give it or take, they're 12, 13 year olds. But at the same time, if you were going to be known for Christ and you had to put that on magazine cover, what would you be known for, or what leader would you have mocked to be known for something? Right, And so we have to think that every single time as leaders of the church, as leaders of our family, as leaders of our household, as leaders in our everyday life, what are people observing within us that are going to make great disciples for them later? Yes, absolutely. You know, you were talking about the the observe, um, and that's, that's a beautiful point, beautiful point. And he says, observe everything I have commanded you. Jesus, we can always use Jesus as the example of of everything. You look at when Jesus found the disciples, they weren't disciples. Okay, they were just they were just dudes. They were you know fishermen and tax collectors and doctors. And, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, Jesus made them disciples. Jesus poured into their lives. He he taught them how to, to how to pray. He taught them how to uh, to go out and evangelize. He taught everything that they knew. They learned from Jesus. Well, we we are to be the example of Jesus. Like w- w- everything that that we do, we should we should bleed out of Jesus. That it it, it should it, uh, we uh, w- w- what am I trying to say, Kyler? Um, you know the everything everything that we do should mock the life of Jesus. It should be an uh, example. They should yes, be able to see Jesus on you. Yes, and um, when when it comes to evangelizing or making disciples of other people, it should be the same way. We should be spending time with them. We should be discussing things with them when they mess up. We should be, we should teach them what they did wrong and how they could do better, you know, and why it is wrong and mm-hmm. the path that they should take, you, you know. And, and here's the thing. Everybody wants everything so daggum easy anymore. Mm-hmm. And making disciples is not it's yeah. not easy. You know, it, it'll cost you. And I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking it'll cost you time. It'll cost you emotional damage. You know, when you because they're not everybody is going to end up the way that you think that they should. Right. Uh, and not a lot of people are going to agree with you. So it could cost you friendships, too. Yes. I mean, that's the hard part. You've got to decide on if you're going to be a leader for Christ or if you're going to. 
I mean, I, I hate to say this, but not everybody's a taco. You can't make everybody happy. That's right. You got to figure out if you're going to make everybody happy or if you're going to be that leader that stands up for what's right, even though everybody else saying it's wrong. That's exactly right. You know, and know going into it, you, you know, one, know that you should be making disciples. If you don't have somebody, if you don't have a Timothy in your life, if you don't have somebody that you are pouring into, you should ask yourself this. One, am I ready? Am I ready to take on a Timothy? And if you're not, you should get there. And two, who who am I going to pour into? Has the Lord placed somebody in my life that he wants me to pour into? And it's not about, it's not always somebody who's struggling. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not always about somebody who's struggling. It's about somebody who is not as in-depth in the Lord as you are. Maybe a newer Christian, somebody who um, you know it has a lot of questions, and that that's all that all falls underneath discipleship, um, you know. And you, everybody wants to equate everything to you know, well, somebody this person's struggling. We got to you know, yes, and all that's all that's important, all of it's important, but it's not always that. It's just simply being there for people who have questions, who need an example of leadership, and being that person for them. Right. And if you think about it, you have to be ready in season and out of season because there are people who are watching you, who are observing you that you have no idea. I mean, I get up on stage most Sundays and sing and I have no idea who's watching me worship, what they're seeing me do. And honestly, that gets, that gets in my head sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, okay, who's watching me? What are they thinking of me? And uh, the the enemy throws those self doubts. And I think that's where a lot of us, are super we're we're afraid to become disciples because if we become disciples if we become things and expectations are set for us and Mm -hmm. the enemy puts those self-doubts that we're not good enough that we're less than everybody else that actually the preacher can do a better job or the youth pastor can do a better job or i can't pray for them because i can't pray well enough or i need the elders to pray for them or i need all these people that can do a better job where you see the ladies over here who are praying for this girl. Well, I can't go pray for this girl because you know what? They're doing a whole lot better. And on Sunday I went through that same thing. I'm like, I don't need to go pray for that person because, and I felt like I needed to go pray for them, mm-hmm. but I was like, I can't, there's like a lot of other people that can do it, but that's what the enemy does is he takes those moments and he tries to like shape your faith in a different way, but your faith in God is the marker. You can't listen to what the devil is saying, what the lies he's putting into you, because the moment that you have a thought that I can't go pray for somebody, that's the devil. That's not nobody. Nobody can do your job better than whatever season God has placed you in. And that might just be to go over there and silently pray for them. But that means we've got to stop defending ourselves against the devil and just listen to what the Lord has commanded us to do, being ready in season and out of season and um, becoming those leaders. That's right. It's kind of like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Gideon. It's not about having all the answers. It's about going the strength that you have. You yeah. know, when the Lord calls you, when the Lord tells you to do something, you know, you may, uh, the Lord may have you disciple somebody that's older than you are. You know, um, I, I've, I've had that happen. And I'm like, man, what, what kind of wisdom can I impart on this person? You know, he's 20 years older than I am. You know, and uh, but it it do, it doesn't matter if the Lord has put them in your life for you to feed into them. Then you need to feed into them. You've got something that they need. 
Otherwise, the Lord would not have paired them with you. Exactly. I liked it in your notes when you said, even inside the church, we are to be leaders, even if we don't hold a title. That's right. Well, you don't need a title. You no. don't have to have a title. And that oh, that's one thing that bugs me nowadays. Everybody has to have a label. Yes. I got to be labeled as a girl or a boy or a transgender. Or I got to be labeled as a it, whatever. They have to have yeah. a label so they fit in. But yes. that's the best thing about God is in Jesus and the church is we don't have to have a label. Everybody is just simply a follower of Christ. That's, that's it. That's right. That's right. So we're going to go on to, you know, talk about what it is to be a leader in our communities. Um, and this one's, this was tough, but I, I, Jesus left us tons of examples. And we're going to go through some of the verses. You know, of course, you know, you go back to the Great Commission. This is what everybody likes to use the Great Commission for. And it is, it is for this. You know, it says go. Uh, first and foremost, go. Um you go into Second Corinthians 3, verses uh, 2 and 3, and it says, You yourselves are a letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are Christ's letter delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets, but the sto- uh, tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. This is this is key. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody talks about you, you know living living your Christian your faith out, living living your faith out because people are watching. And Paul knew that. He knew that. He he knew how important it was for for them to to live a lifestyle of of Christ because people will notice. And that is part of leadership, and it sometimes it sucks. Um, you know, you were talking about Kyler about how you know people watching you on stage and stuff like that. Man, it's a heavy weight to have to uh, bear. You know, trying to be perfect all the time, trying to hold up to a standard that you know you can't hold up to. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's. Again, it's not always about being perfect. It's not always about um, knowing all the answers. You know, every we we are fallible. We are going to mess up. It's about the way we handle it when we do mess up, when we do fail, when we do fall short, when we don't have the answer. You know, and what we do with that. Yeah, it's about acceptance. Um, we we let earthly standards become our expectation. What can we meet here? What can we meet there? We let, you know, our wives set the standard, our work set the standard. We let our kids set the standard for us. We let other people, our friend, our friend group set the standard for us. You know, I've got to make so much money. I've got to work this many hours Mm -hmm. for people to see that I'm a hard worker. And we, as men of the household, we're not, or as men anywhere, we're not set to earthly standards. We are set to God's standards and we can't ever fail those standards. And we have to get out of our mindset that our standards sometimes are too high. They are too hard. Um, And it's not the fact that we can't get there, but we need to give our time, give ourselves time to get there. The disciples were not perfect on day one. I mean, Peter took a sword and cut a man's ear off. Yeah, they weren't perfect on year three. No, but their, their, their standard for who they were slowly 
grew. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Paul. I mean, it took the man many, many, many years to get his life turned around to where he was no longer killing Jews, but he was leading them to Christ. Right. And I mean, he he probably, you know, there are probably times where he said, there's like, God, I can't do this. I can't sit here and try to get your people to come to you. I mean, look at me. Look what I did. That expectation right. is too high. But the Lord knew exactly the expectation needed. Yes. You know that had a way on him constantly. Yeah. I mean, you what know, are these could, people going to think when I walk into the church? Yeah. When, when you know, walking by, spreading the love of God and walking by somebody you threw in prison. And, it, you know, I like it. You know what happened. Yeah. I, I mean, it had to have happened. Well, yeah, and I'm sure there were families that he probably killed. I mean, he probably yeah. put them on death's row and they're sitting there like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a preacher now. All this whole time we believed in Jesus and now he's going to use you. No, I don't think so. Right. Yeah. But that's Man, what, be tough. But that's what God does. He takes the most unexpected leaders and makes them great disciples, great disciple pastors, great leaders in the church, great people. That's right. You know, and. And we need to do our best to live it out the best we possibly can. It's not about perfection. Jesus does not expect perfection. If he expected perfection, he wouldn't have had to come die for us. No. He would have only allowed the people who were perfect into heaven. And so much, so many times we, we ourselves expect perfection. Uh, expect perfection of others. I, I hear it all the time from my wife. You expect too much, and there are there are times it's true. They, you know, it probably is true. I expect a lot of my children. I expect a lot of people. Whenever I was um, at my old job, whenever I was a boss, I expect a lot of those people. You know, I I put them. I hold a standard. I expect them to live up to that. And I'm not. I'm not always the most gracious person. You know, sometimes, sometimes I'm wrong. So, sometimes. Did you get that down? This is recorded. Okay. Yeah, sometimes, not very often. Right, not very often. But and saying no, that though, sure. it's not bad to have high standards or high expectations. No, but no. as leaders, we have to help people get there. And if they don't quite meet the standard, we're not going to tear them down. We're not going to because it's not what Jesus did. I love in that verse where it says, "You show that you're Christ's letter." I love that he uses the letter as a reference because I don't know about you, but every birthday card I try to write, every letter I try to write, there's something that I've done wrong. I've had to scribble something out. I've had to make some type of modification. I spelled their name wrong. I spelled birthday wrong. I've made some mistake, but every letter has a different mistake. Every letter that we write has a purpose. Every letter that we are sending has something that has been messed up. But what can we do? We can sit there and we can grab the whiteout. Just like God can. He wipes out the whole thing from us. And he doesn't care how much your letter has been erased. He doesn't care about how much your letter. I mean, he forgives and forgives and forgives. And he's there to meet you every single time. And as leaders, we have to do that as well. We have to, just because someone fails our expectations, we've got to, you know what? Okay, let's erase that. Let's try again. That's why I love that he put the letter in there. Because we are Christ's letters. Not written in ink. Not written in ink. Not on tablets. But on the human's hearts. That's right. You know, and it's funny that you that you mentioned that. It made me think of you, you know the fact that you, know, especially today, probably if you get a handwritten letter today, it was intentional. You know, right. l- letters are intentional. They they have a purpose. 
you know, for whether it be a birthday card, it be you know, whatever, whatever it is, um, a, a letter of acceptance, a letter, you, you know, there's there's tons of them, but each of them have a purpose. And just as we as leaders, we have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, these these words are in red. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, these are the words of Jesus for us. We are to be a light, a a a, uh, a light for others, a um, a beacon of hope, you know, for the people around us, you know, and that's you know, of course, go back to a couple podcasts ago, Kyler, with you and I, um, where we talked about hope. You know, hope hope is scarce right now, and we we are to be the light of of, of hope. We are to be the light of Jesus spread to the others. One of the things that, so light, I keep saying one of the things to probably stop coining that phrase, but um, the definition of light is not like, there's no, what am I trying to say here? So, sorry, the definition of darkness is the absence of light. Yes. And if we are in darkness, if we are in a place where there is not a light, then that's what we are called to be. We are called to be the light of the world. We are not called to fill the darkness more. We're not called to um, add to the void. We are called to be the light. And that's what we had to focus on is we got to focus on creating those disciples who are going to be the light in darkness, because guess what? Everything is dark. Social right. media is dark. The news is dark. Everything. I mean, you turn on the TV Everything. and you become sad in five seconds. Yes. It doesn't matter what it is. They always, cause I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of news is it news is a story. And so if they can tell a story over even the slightest of things and our brains are wired toward negativity. So they know that that's, what's going to create it. So that's what they're going to use. And so as soon as you turn it on, there's that darkness. And if we yep. can't, as the church provide the light in that darkness, just like he says in Matthew five, 14, 16, then what are we going to be? We have to be the light in the absence of the light. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. Well, maybe you've got questions about leadership, about, um, you know, maybe maybe what it is to for you to be a leader. Maybe you're struggling being a leader in maybe either your home or your church, uh, maybe for the people around you in the community. Let's talk about it. Shoot me an email, um, realmen at bowsprays.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Roman Ministries. Um, Roman talk and Kyler I want to say thank you for being on here with us um, hey I enjoyed today. it as always and um, you know as I want to I want to end in a prayer Holy Spirit teach us to be leaders of our homes of our communities and of our churches and teach us to be godly courageous men in Jesus name Amen
You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen at palaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.